This is Emerson, you listen to Zimparent Radio! My name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. We're doing a Conversations with People We Love episode here, and we have our good friend. Who do we have, sweetie? We have Amy Connell Donahue. And why do what? we have you her you got to have some clapping after that. Oh, say that. Who, we, who do we have here? We have Amy <laughs> Connell Donahue. Oh, I was premature. Who do we have here? Amy <laughs> Connell Donahue. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so my friend, our friend Amy is here. Yeah, easy. Um, because I knew her first. I, no, you didn't. Oh, okay. Um, because this is kind of cool. This month, May, that's what we're in, right? Yes, we are in May. Even though it feels like February? Yes. Is Williams Syndrome Month. Is that what it's called? Awareness Month. Williams, Williams Syndrome, Syndrome Awareness, Awareness Month. Month. Yes. And so our friend Amy has four children. Her oldest daughter, Emerson, was diagnosed with Williams Syndrome at... Day before her first birthday. Wow, right before her first birthday. Uh, 364. Um, That's and one so, way to celebrate the birthday. It is one way. You have a chromosomal chromosomal disorder. Bring out the cake. Bring, Bring out, out the, the cake. cake. Um, so we, we're really excited to have Amy on the show because she is literally going to bring awareness to this so people understand what this diagnosis means because this was new to us when... Because um, or Emerson and JC, our oldest daughter, were born at the exact same time. So Amy and I went through pregnancy together and went through that first year together. And so Todd and I um, were made aware of this diagnosis. And obviously, we know Em's today. She is 11, correct? She, is she 11? 11. Oh Turning 11 this weekend. She's awesome. She is awesome. So, but let's not go there yet. Amy, start, like, um, where should we start? Start with Emerson is born. And what was she like as a baby? So right out of the gate. So we watched the videos coming home in the hospital. What it, videos? So videos that we take of Emerson, you know, headed, headed out of the hospital, screaming, crying, mm. but first kids. So right. we so don't what know do you the know? difference. Right. right. You know, everyone talks about how hard the newborns are. Um, so get her home and cry, cry, cry. I mean, colic to an extent that you, stuff you couldn't even read about. Everything we read, we were like, it's worse than that. It's worse than that. Right. And you would say to people. So you talk to people who, who experience colic and you'd be like, that's not us. It's worse than that. Yes. Okay. And then I would talk to my good friend, Kathy, who had a baby that was six yes. weeks older than mine. Yes. And I remember you saying, she'll outgrow it. The first six weeks are so tough. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Kathy. And, well, I know. Wait for me to be helpful. But I remember one thing I remember, and I'm sure you remember this, is you were like, well, is it a problem that she still sleeps in the car seat in the house? Was that it? Or <laughs> that, was it? In no, the- it is. Yes. yes. We would swaddle her and put her in the car seat till she was, I mean, in retrospect, she was like seven months. Yeah. We were still swaddling her, yeah. mm. which would be dangerous for a, a typical child. But yes. she wasn't, didn't have the ability to break out of it. So it so, was the only way she'd sleep. So you had an inkling something might be up or like, oh, we just got no. a really difficult baby. Um, we got a really difficult baby. I'm working a lot. My husband's working a lot. We're putting her at daycare nine hours a day. And she is just not developing the way she should because we are not spending enough time with her. Mm. Oh, that's heavy. Wait so, a second. Is that what they told you? No. Oh, that's what you thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay. anything in my head. And really, when it's your first kid, I didn't really realize how behind she was. Mm. I was thinking she's a little behind because other moms are spending more time with right. the tummy time and right. blah, blah, blah. And so... I didn't think she was all that behind until she so she was born in May. It was probably the beginning of April, and I was thinking, hmm. We went to Mexico. 
didn't we? Because I remember you we and I were... standing in line to get on an airplane. Yes. And you said, we're going to have tests done, or my in-laws have suggested yes, that we that have tests done. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it was brought to our attention. So we figured that she was just behind on her own, and our in-laws called us one night and said, can you both get on the phone? Mm. We need... Kevin's to, parents. Kevin's parents. Okay. Said, we need to talk to you about something um, that we think is possible. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the crazy thing about it is that Joni, my mother-in-law, worked in a school, and there was a child with Williams syndrome in the school. Mm. And she took Emerson's picture to the special ed teacher and said... What do you think? And the woman said, have her tested for Williams syndrome. So just by uh, looking at a picture. I did Mm -hmm. not know that. I did not know that part of the story. And so um, they were struggling, obviously, with how to tell us. Mm -hmm. Um, So they actually tried to reach out to our pediatrician and say, can you bring this up? Which, I mean, you can't do that. Mm -mm, You know, they mm -mm. they couldn't talk to him about it. And so it was a Sunday night. um, And I'll never forget where I was sitting. And Kevin called down and said, my parents want to talk to us. And I immediately thought his grandmother had died mm, <laughs> when we of all had to get on the phone. And so they started talking and I put the phone down and went right upstairs and scooped her out of the crib because she was asleep already. And I held her and I thought, no, there's no way. Yeah. And then of course we did it. And, and at that point we had, I had already gone to a doctor at children's and said, do you think there's anything wrong with this child? And he said, well, does she does she look like you guys? And I said, yeah, I guess. I don't know. And he said, no, I think she's probably fine. You know, by, does by the Does she look like eye. you guys? What does that mean? Well, because I said, does she look like a Williams child? Oh, you did? And they said, well, does she look like you guys? And the funny thing is, so this was, uh, you know, such a telling moment. So the next morning I went to the office and the first thing I did was pull up the Williams syndrome website, which yeah. I couldn't bring myself to do that same day. And at the top of it were pictures of children. Yeah. Do you remember it? Oh, yeah, because like, I looked at it, it up the exact... You told me. I remember where I was sitting in our, har- our house on York Road. I remember the chair I was sitting in. I pulled it up, and I thought the same thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Because like, she looked similar to those it, kids? It looked yes. like they were her siblings. Yeah. She, it was incredible. Got yeah. it. Incredible. And so... But even then... Yeah. I didn't, you know, even then I wasn't you like, didn't fully oh, yeah, buy into this it. is it. No. So we may, we did testing. Um, we called our pediatrician and said, uh, we give us the orders to go to children's. We want to do testing. Um, and I had mentioned to the pediatrician just before that, that she wasn't really sitting up the way she should be. And I think at this point, I'm not sure she was sitting up without pillows behind her and she was 11 months. Yeah. So she's not crawling. She's, you know, hardly yeah. even sitting up properly. And so... They gave us those orders. We went over there. They tested for a whole bunch of stuff. Um, but the waiting period they had told us was going to be three weeks. Yeah. So that's when, you know, the reading, the internet and all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And they had done a ton, a ton of tests. Um, but it took four weeks and a day to get those tests back. Unbelievable. And didn't you call? I did. What? And you called and you did what you do? You did something. I called the lab and I, I don't remember if I acted like the doctor. I just asked for results. I went straight to the lab because nobody was calling me. <laughs> this is very Amy Connell-esque, by the way, everybody. And, um, the, you know, she didn't ask any questions, so she started faxing me over information, which meant nothing to me. Right, right. Um, and the one test that was not back was the Williams test. Of course, test. of course. And um, we had also, in utero, they had double-checked her heart, and that was a big issue with Williams, which 
is crazy because it had nothing to do with it. Her heart ended up being fine. Um, but the, all, all that paperwork that came back didn't, you know, didn't tell me anything. And then finally it was a month, um, four weeks a day. And I called my pediatrician and said, enough is enough. Yeah. And I had just hung up with the lab and they said the director of the lab is out of town who needs to sign off on tests. And that's when I sort of freaked out and oh, said, gosh. I'm coming to your lobby and I'm going to sit there until somebody gives me some answers. Yeah. And, um, then I got a call back from the pediatrician 10 minutes later. Wow. And it was a Monday morning. And they said? They confirmed. So she went through. She said, well, we have good news is how we started. Yikes. I thought, great. And she went through all the things that were negative. She said, but one test did come back positive. I'll never forget how she said it because I was so relieved when she said we have good news. Yeah. She said the Williams syndrome fish test came back and it is positive. Wow. So and she should have started with that. What an idiot. I know. It was it was interesting. It was interesting. And Doctors. so what we haven't even said yet, and we started the show and we're like 15 minutes in, is so she comes back with this test result. And what is Williams syndrome? What does that mean? So it, it's funny t- at the time what I thought it meant. I mean, it is mild to moderate retardation. It is milestone delays, cognitive, physical delays, um, and a handful of health issues that can go with it. Mm-hmm. So, is it one chromosome? It is it's chromosome number seven. It is chromosome number seven. Wow, how'd you know that, Ty? I, I just, I just know That's things. That's impressive. You did know. I'm on Wikipedia, right? okay. and you don't want to ask me any more scientific questions okay. beyond that because I'll. Well, and it, it happens between one in seventy five hundred to one in twenty thousand births. And I remember when you and Kevin told because we were kind of corresponding, you and I about this along the way. But I remember that at the time you were told it was one in thirty two thousand. It was the statistics was much higher, like thirty thousand. Yes, yes. So and maybe it's becoming more diagnosed. No, I yes, I think that's probably what okay. it is. All right. So where do we want to go with this? So what what do you do when you get this information? What did you do? Well, we so I'm in my glass office, and you can imagine yeah. a mess, a mess, a mess. So um, the first thing I did, I think the first thing I did was call you. Yeah, I think you left work. I remember. It's like I've got these things in my head, but I don't want to like tell your story because my story may be different. But I remember. Didn't you leave and someone was giving you a ticket? I did. I got a parking <laughs> ticket. So I think I called you and I think I called Laura. Yeah. And then I called Kevin. I was like, I don't, you, you know, <laughs> how do I say this to my poor husband? Yeah. So I called him and I, I, I had pulled it together. I called him. I knew he was sitting in a really general area at the time. Um, and he said, what do we do? And I said, come get me. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I do remember my office, um, I remember the president of the office walking by, seeing me crying, coming in, and people knew I was waiting for something, and he said, let me get you a car, which makes me laugh. Aww. Let me get you a car home. Mm. Um, and so a couple people came by and said, just let us know what you need to do. Take a month, take whatever. And I really didn't even have to give any answers since the, my staff knew that I was waiting for this stuff, and they just, you know, they, they just knew. So, and that's an interesting point with this, um, because when you get back uh, test results like that, and especially when people are waiting, family members or friends, it would be weird if people said, we're sorry, or we're, because it's not, your child is there, your child is a thriving human being. I mean, she's, a. I mean, I know she had a hard time at the beginning with colic and stuff, but a lovely baby, a fantastic kid, and, but you're getting this information. What, 
what should people, what would have been the best thing for someone to say to you at that point? Because I think a lot of people wonder that. Oh, so that's a good question because a lot of people, you know, I often get, you know, you only are handed what you can handle. Don't you hate those But is that helpful? I don't know. You know, sometimes it is when I'm in a, when I'm in a, I can handle the world moment. Sure. I'm like, yeah, they're right. And then there are other moments where I'm like, you know what? I don't want to handle this. (laughs) Um, I think I, uh, when I called you, yeah, I remember you sort of sat in silence and listened and you yeah. said, okay. And what you asked a lot of questions. Um, and some people said some things that, that I remember. Um, I remember my mother saying the saddest thing about this is that she's going to be smart enough to know she has it. And I was like, we can't point out mm, the sad things. Yeah. 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 And, and my mother's fabulous with her. Um, but that's what was hurting my mother at the time. That's what, you know, I mean, she was worried about how Emerson was going to handle this later in life. Yes. And I was too selfish to be thinking that way. I I was, it was all about me in that moment. For sure. All about me. Um, so I, I think all you can do is ask questions. If you can tell the person wants to talk about it, but otherwise just be there for the support. Yeah. Because there's so much support in the beginning, but then everybody gets so busy with their lives and just the check in, how is she doing? Um, and then not avoiding it. I remember us totally. going to um, visit Kevin's parents that summer and nobody said anything mm. except for one person that I didn't know very well said, tell me how you guys are doing. Mm. And I was so impressed because, yeah. and, and you know, the, a different personality might prefer that. You yeah. know, don't ask us, don't. But so I guess it, it's supposed on the per- it depends it, on the person. Well, and I think any experience like that, and I don't want to clump a bunch of things together, but like you know, if somebody is sick, or if someone has passed away, or you've got news that's that's difficult, or someone's lost a job. People avoid those things like the plague. Yet, when I personally have gone through those things, I would like to it to be recognized. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not recognized like in sympathy or pity, but in treat me handle it yeah hold the space for it you know mm-hmm. like look me in the eye and ask me and kind of have that strength rather than that cocked head of oh my gosh i feel so sorry yeah. for you nobody wants pity right but if you can like sit in it and be like yeah you know i haven't had your experience but i've been challenged by things and i'm here with you yeah you know that's kind of i feel like that's people avoidance is is i don't know what to say yeah and sometimes it's really nice to say i don't know what to say but I'm here. Yeah. yeah. You Something know? that easy. Yeah, that's a good point. You know? like I, I don't, don't know what to say, but I'm here for you. I'm here. And I don't feel pity for you because you're going to be fine. That's the thing. Like, and, and again, this is 11 years later and I don't want to jump over too much. But like, you know, I know that there are still days that are really difficult. And I know there's still challenges and things that you face that kind of hit you in the face and go, wow, that's that's heavy. But look at you. Do you know what I mean? You yeah. have you've had three kids since then. You've had all these experiences in your life, and it is a part of your life. It's right. no longer like this, you know, this big. It's so. I don't. Is the world word normal feel right to you, or what would you say? A new normal? Sure, a new normal. Yes, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, a new normal. Because in that moment when it. And it being the first and only child, she's everything. Yeah. Yes, yes. So I had a good friend say, dilute the situation and start having more kids. It was You great were pregnant, weren't you? Advice. I was pregnant. Yes. I had just found out I was pregnant. Yes, mm-hmm. you were pregnant with Connell. So mm-hmm. it was kind of that process was already... Yeah. So did you decide to have three more kids uh, in part to make sure that Emerson had a, bi- a big team to support her as she grew up into an adult or no? I did. I always, I always wanted three. Kevin always wanted three. 
Um, and so I had a, obviously had a boy and then I had another little boy. And for some reason I really wanted her to have a sister, mm. um, because I felt like her sister might just relate to her better, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always joke about how girls stick around, you know, <laughs> who knows? I say that when I have a boy who sticks around, I think he'll probably stick around more than anyone. But, um, so I was hell bent on having four mm-hmm. and really if I were younger, I'd probably be talking kept on into a fifth. I, I, I would know. not Amy, be successful by the way, but right. I was going to say that Amy is one of my friends who loves being pregnant and loves the whole idea of being pregnant. She loves the newborn phase. Like I was just saying to her, cause, uh, Ellis, her youngest, how old is Ellis now? Three, three. As I said, aren't you just so glad you're like past all those stages, you know, where you have to like carry him everywhere. And I know you're probably still carrying her cause I still carry skies sometimes, <laughs> but you know, and you're like, Oh no. I'm not, I'm like, when you have to take her to dinner and the car seat and you're like, oh no, I, oh, I love that. <laughs> loved it. Well, and you, you have to know that our first experience with Emerson, we could never leave the house. True. So as a baby, we went nowhere. Because? Mm-hmm. Because she was such a nightmare. She would cry uncontrollably. We couldn't take her. I mean, it would be a natural to take her to an ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. Like any place, even with children, children appropriate right. would be... Um, it, it would. There's no it. soothing whatsoever. There was no soothing. There was no. It was just no. time and exhaustion. So, so when did she, when did she become able to start going to a restaurant? We turned the corner at about nine months, and I remember holding her, and I was like, "Wow, this feels pretty good. Like mm-hmm. I, I could stay home with you." Because I remember thinking, "Thank God I work." Because mm-hmm. if I, and I remember bringing cookies to the daycare because I thought, "How are these people handling her?" And part of it was that. It was, I, it was my first kid. So right. zero to one is hard for anybody mm. with the best of babies. So so I just think that the ones that followed, I was like, this is what the other people are experiencing. Right. This is what they were talking yes. about. Here's what I was talking yes. about. So so uh, there's so many things I want to ask about M's and so much of it I've forgotten from the early years. But like what – give us some experiences. We'll start with like the, the positive ones. Like focus on the experiences that you've had with M's that have been really amazing – because of who she is. Uh-huh. And then maybe share a story or two. And I have one in my head about getting out of a Jimboree class oh, that have yes. been really, really, really difficult. And you decide which ones you tell, but I want people to kind of hear both sides because she's got, like Todd was saying, we know Ems and she's pretty amazing. And so she definitely has this, this skill set that is her unique to her. Sure. Um, and then, but there's also been challenges in being her mother. So, you know, so share. Well, it, there's no question that the first year was as bad as it got. Okay. Um, and the the period after diagnosis is so terrible because you picture things. Yeah. Um, you parent from the future instead of parent from where you are. Yes. Right. And I actually just um, wrote an article on um, the day after the diagnosis where I I knew what Kevin was thinking. And, and I said, you know, it's not 1985. Like those kids yes. aren't hidden. They aren't segregated. That's not the life our child is going to live. He only visualized what he experienced in elementary school, middle school, high school with kids who had special needs. Yeah. And he was afraid for her future. Yes. And so was I. Yeah. I mean, I remember thinking, I mean, those kids didn't go to recess with us, you yes. know? So... So the that window, when I look back on the first, when I look back on bringing Connell home, who's 19 months younger than M, that whole phase was so dark because M couldn't walk. I had a newborn. Mm. Um, she couldn't. T- so I had two kids that couldn't talk. It felt like having twins that, you know, but, but not in a good way. So that period was dark. Um, 
and then things, you know, I, I had a typical child, so I was no longer looking at people and thinking, this is so unfair. Right. right. Um, I don't have that, and you do. Yes. Which was a big thing until oh, he yeah. was born. And then I was like, all right. Right. Now, you know, I'm blessed to have have this typical child, and it made me appreciate Emerson a lot more. Um, and I, I do – one of the big turning points was first warm day – and was probably four or five. Because when they're little, they don't seem so different. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, the older totally. they get, the more different the, they yes, appear. The more uh, different they appear. And um, so we were at the park, and for the first time I looked around and I thought, oh my gosh, people are watching us. People mm-hmm. are looking at her um, because something is different here. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, it's funny because I remember thinking about it and thinking about it when I got into bed. And I had no idea how small that was compared to today when she's 10 and we go to a park. Right. Yes, Because you can imagine the difference between a typical 10-year-old and an and M at this point. So really the story you're talking about was probably the, the darkest moment, the jimbery. I, I couldn't take them anywhere together. So I had Connell and M. We lived in the city. Um, and I tried to take them to a gymboree class by myself. I was trying to liberate myself. Like, I can do this. <laughs> I have the power. I have the power. And it, it, the long and short of it was a huge meltdown scenario where they both freaked out. And Emerson couldn't his, handle his crying because the, her, um, the sensitive hearing is a huge thing um, that really controls our life today. And that's a part of Williams' that sensitive is part of hearing. Williams, okay. Yes. And so when he would cry, she would freak out. So it was a scene in Jimbery where basically the class had to just stop because my two kids were out of control at a level where I couldn't handle it. And then when I finally got them out of there, I couldn't get them back to the car. And a police officer had to help me. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. He looked at me. He looked away. He looked back up and realized it wasn't a typical like tantrum scenario right. where this woman will get these kids together. And mm-hmm. And I remember getting in the car and just sobbing and thinking, oh, my gosh, this is impossible. Yeah. Yeah. And being so glad that I was going back to work. It was a Sunday, and I remember thinking, I can't wait for Monday morning, which is not what I had envisioned. Right. No one envisions that. Well, and what I love about part of the reason that I wanted Amy to come on and talk about this is, first of all, as you can see, she's very honest about how she feels in the situation that I think that a lot of people feel very similar. Um, But she is, you know, you've been through all these cycles, so now you can say these things and know that there's hindsight and that, you know, but that she's very honest about it. And also that, um, you know, that things change because you aren't going back to work anymore. Right. <laughs> You're like, is that, is that what like, we want? Yes. Um, but you are home with the kids now. Yes. Now, but Emerson is in school now. So that's the difference. Had it been mm-hmm. back then, I'm not really sure what would have happened mm-hmm. to me. I mean, it was it was a phase when I it, – it helped me to digest it all. I mean, yeah. I was literally mourning the death of a child that I thought I had. Right. That I know when, – when I learned that, I – I, all I could think about was all of the things I had lost. Yes. Because I couldn't picture what I had gained. Yes. Um, because I didn't know what living with a child with Williams syndrome was going to be like. Yes. So fast forward and M starts to talk. We get her potty trained, which is huge mm-hmm. because I'm thinking, you know, who's going to babysit this child who's not potty trained? And, you know, there were a lot of worries that went through my head that never needed to go through my head. Um, 
but you don't know that. But you don't know. That's the thing is like there, that's the thing is when, you know, you're reading these books on what to expect in the first year, second year, third year, there is this typical development and you're like, I don't know what typical is for me. Right. And so it's, even though obviously we talk about on the show a lot that worry doesn't help, that fear doesn't help, but you were living in the unknown Mm -hmm. and many of us are in many situations, but that was a big unknown it's not like you had someone next door who also had a child with Williams right. syndrome, right? Right. And my the the thing was there. It, it's there's a great Williams syndrome support system, but I couldn't bring myself to be part of it Why? because I didn't want to see. As scared as I was, not knowing what was going to become of Emerson, I did not want to see older kids. I remember thinking, I just want to do this day by day because my father-in-law got very involved immediately Mm -hmm. and so did my sister. And they both became camp counselors. At a Williams Syndrome camp. At a Williams Syndrome camp. Mm -hmm. Um, They couldn't get enough information about it. They were great. And so it worked. They would tell me things that I needed to know. And I'm sure there were many things they they didn't share with me. And I had never seen another child with Williams syndrome until I agreed to take her to camp. So she was going to camp with my sister. So uh, for the younger kids at six, you can go to camp. And my sister was taking her to camp, which was so lovely of my sister. Yeah, your family is so lovely. Because, I mean, you know, taking a week, flying in, blah, blah, blah. And she knew that I wasn't strong enough to do it. And so we're talking six. We're talking five years later, and I still couldn't do it. So Kelly said to me the next summer. Your sister. My sister. She said, come for a night or two. And I thought, all right. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. All right. So I went. And now was I? I think I was pregnant again. <laughs> you? <laughs> Probably were, right? Pregnant? You know what? I was. I was pregnant with Ellis. So a piece of the mourning period had passed, and now I was pregnant with another little girl. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that could be a whole other radio show. But so I went for a day, um, spent the night, and I remember seeing the first other child with Williams syndrome, and it was the craziest thing because mm-hmm. I felt like I was staring at Emerson. I'm like, this is crazy. And the camp was amazing. The experience was amazing. And from that point forward, it everything changed as far as understanding what the support could do with other parents. Yeah. And just on that note with the camp and seeing other kids, um, Amy lives in Elmhurst now where we live. uh, But for uh, most of this time, she lived in Chicago. And I remember calling Amy one day and saying, there's a family that lives down the street from us. And uh, it's a, a friend of ours named Kristen who lives in town, and she has two sons, and they remind me of Emerson. And I didn't know if they had Williams syndrome. I, I just knew that they looked similar to her, and we were kind of like, no way, because that would be too random. Because there's, yeah, there's one in twenty thousand. What are the odds of right of them living down the street from us? And then it, it was when JC was in first or second grade. They had a Williams syndrome day. It was probably in May because it's Williams syndrome awareness month. And, and it was for her sons. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So, of course, that just started another discussion where I said to Kristen, do you know my friend Amy? She knew who you were because, again, the network is small. Mm-hmm. And, and she it, had spoken to my in-laws. Yes. Like she was already like – she was like, oh, I know them. Yeah. Um, so it's just so interesting. So now Amy, um, her family now lives in Elmhurst. And, you know, it's just – that's – when you think about the statistic, it's not too common. So uh, Emerson goes to a typical school? So now she is 
in a typical gen ed classroom 50% of the time and goes to what is called an instructional classroom the other 50% of the time. So she is with her peers for lunch, recess, some reading, um, other things that she can handle. Math is something that Williams syndrome kids cannot grasp, most likely never will. So certain things we pull her out and we don't even really spend a whole lot of time on right. it. That, that's what I've really learned more recently um, with our consultants is really zoning in on what they their strengths are right. and just don't beat a dead horse with right. trying to add two and two. Right. So she loves school. Yes, she and, loves and school. And to answer your question of the, the positive experience – so fast forward to a little girl who can finally talk um, and express herself. Um, and as you guys know, so the, it has been referred to as the cocktail party syndrome, which is perfect. <laughs> cocktail party syndrome is what people call Williams syndrome because they are so, the social aspect is so amazing. It and is. if we have people over, like the last time you guys were over, as soon as people show up, She's worried they're going to leave. Yes. She they're staying. loves people. They're staying, right? They're going to stay. I mean, she's at the front door waiting to greet. Um, she knows everybody's name. Yeah. Everybody's she's name. very highly skilled as, at as being she's social. socially astute. Yeah. Yes. She's one of the happier kids that I've ever met. She's To say she's likable would be an understatement. Like, <laughs> yes. I love that kid. And, and yeah, I, you know, there's an initial like, oh, she's a little bit different. Two seconds later, you forget about it because of her personality, honestly. Yeah. And my one story is we went to a meeting. It's an Indian princess thing where it's a bunch of dads and daughters and all that. And she walked in and, you know, a few of the girls, this was her first meeting. So a few of the girls already knew her, like I ever said, and she knew everybody's name and all that. And then within the confines of the meeting that night, we have all the girls say, my name is JC. I go to school here. This is what I did today. So they all did it. And then it was Emerson's turn. And do you remember what she said? Yes. She said, my name is Emerson and I love everybody. Oh, and and she's smiling ear to ear. And it, it was one of those most endearing moments of my life. It's beautiful. I'm like, this girl is beautiful in yeah. every way you can ever describe. And Todd is saying this as an adult, but Amy, the kids in her school love, love her. her. Love her. Oh my yes. gosh. <laughs> yeah. The I got an email. I've gotten a couple emails this year where I thought to myself, had could someone have just given me this email in 2004? Totally. Because I it was I sent it to everybody in our family mm. because everybody needed to see what there there was Two things. One, the music teacher sent me an email saying, I have to tell you that after choir, she belted out with like three <laughs> lines of this song. And apparently it's, you know, I want to do something different, be something special. Um, and all the kids started to cheer and clap for her after she did it. And now next week she's doing a solo. Of which, course. Which will be amazing. <laughs> Scary and amazing. Totally. Um, and then the next week, her teacher sent me an email that said, you know, we I know we don't get to see each other a whole lot, but because um, I, I tend to spend more time with the um, special needs teacher on on the education plan. And she said, you need to know that the boys in this class have embraced her. It's incredible. At recess, they ask her to play basketball. Oh, no. oh. And she said that 
this room and this class wouldn't be completely different without Emerson in it. And to hear that, mm. because let me tell you, when I was in fourth grade, no one was sending my mom an email saying, your daughter, <laughs> she makes really an impact, brightens our day. <laughs> I mean, I was a quiet kid in the back, you know? Totally. So to see that when, you know, with the mom who has a child like that, you worry that she gets in the way a lot. Mm-hmm. You worry that she makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't worry a whole lot about it, but there are times where I find myself going out of my way to make sure that other people are good with it. That they're comfortable, that they know you're okay, it's okay. Yeah, you're trying to like set a stage so everybody can feel like they can be there and present and not worry. And for the first time, like her brother, it really is affecting her brothers a little more because they're having friends over. So it's a whole new ball game now that she's a little bit older and the differences are are obvious. Now the teachings are different where before it was about, you know, M's and making sure everything was secure there. That's pretty buckled down. She's doing great, meaning, you know, in her situation, she is thriving. And now, um, you know, now the boys, and that's a real thing too. I'm sure every family who has a child with special needs, there is a sibling issue and it shows up in different ways, sometimes in a very protective way. Cause I'm sure that the boys sometimes are, you know, I know from what you've told me, they take care of her in certain ways, but then there's also the social, every kid has that social Mm -hmm. thing. So that's very real. Um, I want to talk about Emerson specifically just for a few more moments. Okay. Um, one is when I said, when she said, uh, my name is Emerson, I love everybody. We always talk about on the show, how our children are our teachers. Yes. So when she said that, some people might be like, oh, what a, what a naive little girl or whatever. When she said those words, she meant it. Right. Yeah. What I mean is she does love everybody. It's not <laughs> like somebody told her to say that one time and she's, I mean, it was just amazing, but Last time we were at your house, uh, Amy's house, didn't she like slyfully admit to something that she wasn't supposed to do? It was hilarious. So she she likes to eat a lot. And yes. yes, uh, Sugar or anything? Anything. Anything. I think it's probably like a sensory, like it feels good to be chewing something in that mouth. Yeah, because she liked the crunchy stuff. Yeah, she's always looking for something to chew. So she was getting food and every once in a while, you know, and Amy finally said, no, this is the end. We're done. Okay. And then I would watch her kind of go into the closet and come back with stuff and kind of do behind your back. And then you kept kind of busting her and saying, no, put this back. And then all out of the blue, she looked it up, looked at us and said, I like to steal food. <laughs> She's a little sneak. And the thing is, I'm impressed. <laughs> Me too. That's you know, there are times. But then where, she admits to it. Right. Right. And then she comes clean. And I'm like, no, no, I need to teach you how to not come clean. But I'm impressed that she's so, that when she's manipulative, uh-huh. she does things like that. Typical behavior. <laughs> I mean, her brothers are sneaking food too. Right. And that, like you said, the funny part is that. You know, after she does it, she'll tell you. Yeah. And then also one of her other things right now, because again, just focusing on some of these traits, she, like you said, there's a sensory thing and she loves glue. She loves to have yes. glue in her fingers too. Because when she um, was over at our house we, and I was actually causing a problem because I was letting her have glue. Um, you know what I mean? Like I wanted her to be happy with the glue. Well, she and as it. long as it's not with me. Yes. You yeah. know what I mean? I do. Like it's kind of like when a grandma gives something right. and the mom can't. Yes. I totally I will get let that. like her grandmothers, I'll say, I'm not going to give that to you. And then I give a look and walk out of the room. Like right. go ahead and do it. Right. But you just can't as right. the parent right. because you've got to set the limit. <laughs> I totally get that. But um, so a few things. Number one, you've already talked about, because we're talking about, again, William Syndrome um, Awareness Month. You've already talked about the camp that she goes to. Do you want to give a shout out to what that's called? Like, is it, do you, where is it? How would people Whispering find it? Whispering Trails Music Camp. So it is, 
um, in Michigan. Look up the town, Todd. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'm blanking on the name. No problem. Grand Rapids. How do you blank on Grand Rapids? In Grand Rapids. So it is, there's, there's different camps for younger kids starting at six, and then they age out at 12. And um, that camp is in July. And then in August, there are two other camps that take kids um, up to a, up to adult. Um, and those camps, you go, after you are 12, you go on your own. So we have two more years with M where I go and I stay with her. And then um, she'll go on her own. And we she, will drop her off and pick her up. She loves camp, right? She loves it. We talk about it all year. Yeah, she can't all wait. Year. Well, and you mentioned that it's a music camp. Kids who have been diagnosed with Williams tend to have some musical, innate musical abilities. Is that true? Or it is, that- is true. It is not true for us. Okay. She loves it. Okay, so she digs the music. She digs the music. Okay. But it doesn't mean that she can sing any better than her mama. Got it. But she, um, we did do music therapy for a long period of time, and, and one therapist once said, I feel like she may have perfect pitch. And I sort of laughed because you should hear her sing. I'm like, <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, you know, if you want to tell me that, and that's true, I'm totally going to celebrate You're like, I'll it. take it. I, I'll but take I, it. I don't see it. Um, other, there are kids who can do amazing things. You know, just an affinity toward music. Yeah. Um, so uh, everybody loves it. I mean, yes. I haven't seen a kid yet that hasn't loved it. And we do a lot of singing mm. at camp. Yeah. Um, and it always gets all of the children back on task, you know, like it's, there's it, something about it. It brings yeah. everybody back together. And you know what? I think that's true for everybody. Yeah. And again, like you said, they're pulling from their strengths because a lot of those kids, that is their strength. Um, but it also really, music kind of brings everybody together. Yeah. And just to give a shout out to something else, around the time that Ems was diagnosed, there just so happened to be a 2020 focusing on Williams syndrome, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is that true? Yes. Can that still be found online? There's actually a couple of them. There was... Um, one right after she was diagnosed um at some point in 2004 and i have seen that one recently okay but then um i just read another one that um they actually came to the camp and did a segment on it and oh your camp yes cool um, and that's definitely online. We'll find it and put it in the show notes. Okay, we'll yeah. put it in the show notes. So I want to close out the show, but before I do that, um, uh, Amy, is there anything, like let's say there's somebody listening who just found out that they have a kid with Williams. What would you, what would that mom want to hear from you? Oh, that's a great question. I think the best thing to focus on is how how awful that news is to get you have no idea, A, what the, the learning. I, I really didn't love when people told me I was going to learn so much, but boy, the learning and the perspective on life. But that child is going to be what keeps your family together. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it's like a little, and not that she doesn't fight like crazy with her brothers, but Emerson will always be something in our family that we never dreamed we could have. Mm-hmm. Um, it, as a child, everyone really keeps an eye on her and they do fight a lot, but everyone keeps an eye on her. It has grounded my children, even at a young age to be more patient, patient, aware, aware. Yeah. Um, but really all of those things, I don't know if that would have worked for me Mm. when I got the diagnosis. I think for some people it would, for me, I wish someone had just said, this kid is going to make you laugh so much and you are going to love her like you love all your other kids, of course. But at the time, I wasn't even sure of that, you right. know? Um, but 
Kevin and I spend so much time not laughing at her, but laughing with, with her. her. Like, She's she just is a so funny. Person. And she is somebody that everyone's going to love. Hmm. And it's, um, it's grounded me to, the, you know, there are so many things in life that seem like such a big deal. And I remember one time somebody was freaking out about something at work. And, it, you know, it's never a life or death situation when you're sitting in an office. So, it, you know, it, it always yeah. would make me laugh a little bit. Right. And, and he was like, are you going to be okay with this? And I said, I have a kid at home missing a chromosome. Are you kidding me? Right. You're like, this is nothing. I'm like, nothing. this is nothing. It's kind of like when we were interviewing the McCarthys and they have a daughter with leukemia. And Erin yeah. uh, um, backed out of the garage and she damaged her car. Yeah. And he was worried. She was worried about telling her husband. And his response was, I have a kid with leukemia. Totally. <laughs> you think I'm really going to worry Who about this? Who cares yeah. about that? There's, I, I'm just a very so it's a it's it's a perspective was. grounder. Yes. Yeah. It broadens yes. your world. And I want to say one more thing, Todd, before you close this out. Amy is also a writer, and she's written a few articles for Chicago Parent Magazine. And it just so happens that she wrote an article for Chicago Parent this month, May. Um, again, Williams Syndrome Awareness Month, and it. And I was just laughing about on um, the title because we were talking about Chicago Mom. This Chicago Mom. Oh, and it went away. I can't find it. What is what's the article called? Having it all. Having it all. Awesome. Thank you for remembering that. And it's a great article. She's a fantastic writer. Thank you. So that'll I, be in the show notes. That'll too. be in the show notes. But also, you can pick up the magazine, um, you know, around the city too. And sometimes people don't know what we mean by the show notes on our website, ZenParentingRadio.com. What I, I don't know what we're going to name this, but it'll be in. So if you click on it, it'll have a few paragraphs about everything we talked about and then a download link. So we've, we're have we recently with some people and they're like, what do you mean show notes? So if you just, if you're looking at our show, if you click on it and then there's the, you know, if you go below it, everything we talk about, you can. Yeah, it's like a summary yeah. of what we talked about. So, yeah. um, and we're going to close the show with a song, but before we do that, <laughs> um, is there anything else you guys wanted to say before we go on to something silly regarding Williams Syndrome? No, I think, we've, I think we've covered it well. Okay. Do you feel complete? I feel complete. Okay, good. I do. Well, thank you for raising our awareness and yeah. for explaining to people what Williams Syndrome is because, again, you've just educated a lot of people in My the world. My pleasure. Thanks so, for letting me do it. Thank you so much. So um, Rick Springfield is one of your favorite artists or is he? He, your... he is my favorite artist. <laughs> Have you ever seen him in concert? Are, are, you, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> about 15 times. Most recently about... Two months ago. And did ago. anything eventful happen at oh, any geez. of the times that you saw him? And as you tell this story, I'm going to go ahead and play, you know, his I cue. may have seen him at the House of Blues and grabbed his butt. <laughs> and then he screamed, who's grabbing my ass? Did you raise your hand and say it was you? I said, it's me. And I followed him all the way up to the stage, but he wouldn't let me get on. And he said, and you said, don't we you know up. me? Because <laughs> then you read his book. Then I read his book. Was his book bad? Well, he was with a lot of other women. Got it. You were jealous. I was jealous. Okay. Good looking yeah. dude. Yeah, he is. He is. He's like 68. Uh, he's old. He's Noah Drake. Is that the General Hospital guy? Yeah. Did you love General Hospital too? I did. Okay, good. And he takes his shirt off at concerts. Still? Does, does he always close with this song? No. 
Does he play it in the beginning? He oh, he plays it every night, though. You have right? to wait for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't not play this song. He right. can't play it first or else everyone would leave. That's right. That it is would not be true. I know. I'm kidding because I love Rick Springfield. I love the Don't Talk to Strangers album. I love the first album. But what was Don't Talk to Was it the, the album called Don't Talk to Strangers? It was. That was the second one. And I loved Human Touch. That's a great song. That was the third one. Yeah. Amy's like, I'll tell you what album it was on. That was the third one. Well, right. thank you, everybody. Thank you, Amy Thank you, Amy Connell. Thank you. Nice job. Adios. Go with the light.